Blog Talk Radio. with the world. Men of reason 
who act as their own destroyers, who transfuse to evil the blood of their virtue, and let evil transmit to them the poison of destruction. I saw that there comes a point in the defeat of any man of virtue when his own consent is needed for evil to win, and that no manner of injury done to him by others can succeed if he chooses to withhold his consent. I saw that I could put an end to your outrages by pronouncing a single word in my mind. I pronounced it. The word was, No. I quit that factory. I quit your world. I made it my job to warn your victims and to give them the method and the weapon to fight you. The method was to refuse to deflect retribution. The weapon was justice. If you want to know what you lost when I quit and when my strikers deserted your world, stand on an empty stretch of soil in a wilderness unexplored by men and ask yourself what manner of survival you would achieve and how long you would last if you refused to think. With no one around to teach you the motions, or if you chose to think, how much your mind would be able to discover. Ask yourself how many independent conclusions you have reached in the course of your life and how much of your time was spent on performing the actions you learned from others. Ask yourself whether you would be able to discover how to till the soil and grow your food. Whether you would be able to invent a wheel, a lever, an induction coil, a generator, an electronic tube. Then decide whether men of ability are exploiters who live by the fruit of your labor and rob you of the wealth that you produce. And whether you dare to believe that you possess the power to enslave them. Take a look around you. You savages. You have never discovered the industrial age. And you cling to the morality of the barbarian era when a miserable form of human subsistence was produced by the muscular labor of slaves. Every mystic had always longed for slaves to protect him from the material reality he dreaded. But you, you grotesque little atavists, stare blindly at the skyscrapers and smokestacks around you and dream of enslaving the material providers who are scientists, inventors, industrialists. When you clamor for public ownership of the means of production, you are clamoring for public ownership of the mind. I have taught my strikers that the answer you deserve is only try and get it. You proclaim yourself unable to harness the forces of inanimate matter, yet propose to harness the minds of men who are able to achieve the feats you cannot equal. You proclaim that you cannot survive without us, yet propose to dictate the terms of our survival. You proclaim that you need us, yet indulge the impertinence of asserting your right to rule us by force, and expect that we, who are not afraid of that physical nature which fills you with terror, will cower at the sight of any lout who has talked you into voting in a chance to command us. You propose to establish a social order based on the following tenets: That you're incompetent to run your own life, but competent to run the lives of others. That you're unfit to exist in freedom, but fit to become an omnipotent ruler. That you're unable to earn your living by the use of your own intelligence, but able to judge politicians and to vote them into jobs of total power over arts you have never seen, over sciences you have never studied, over achievements of which you have no knowledge, over the gigantic industries where you, by your own definition of your capacity, would be unable successfully to fill the job of assistant greaser. This idol of your cult of zero worship is your image of man and your standard of value in whose likeness you strive to refashion your soul. It's only human 
You cry in defense of any depravity, reaching the stage of self-abasement where you seek to make the concept human mean the weakling, the fool, the rotter, the liar, the failure, the coward, the fraud, and to exile from the human race the hero, the thinker, the producer, the inventor, the strong, the purposeful, the pure, as if to feel were human, but to think were not, as if to fail were human, but to succeed were not, as if corruption were human, but virtue were not. In order to deprive us of honor that you may then deprive us of our wealth, you have always regarded us as slaves who deserve no moral recognition. You praise any venture that claims to be non-profit and damn the men who made the profits that make the venture possible. Public welfare is the welfare of those who do not earn it. Those who do are entitled to no welfare. The public to you is whoever has failed to achieve any virtue or value. Whoever achieves it, whoever provides the goods you require for survival, ceases to be regarded as part of the public or as part of the human race. What blank out permitted you to hope that you could get away with this muck of contradictions and to plan it as an ideal society when the no of your victims was sufficient to demolish the whole of your structure? What permits any insolent beggar to wave his sores in the face of his betters and to plead for help in the tone of a threat? You cry, as he does, that you are counting on our pity but your secret hope is the moral code that has taught you to count on our guilt. You expect us to feel guilty of our virtues in the presence of your vices, wounds, and failures. Guilty of succeeding at existence, guilty of enjoying the life that you damn, yet beg us to help you to live. Do you want to know who is John Galt? I am the first man of ability who refused to regard it as guilt. I am the first man who would not do penance for my virtues or let them be used as the tools of my destruction. I am the first man who would not suffer martyrdom at the hands of those who wished me to perish for the privilege of keeping them alive. I am the first man who told them that I did not need them, and until they learned to deal with me as traitors giving value for value, they would have to exist without me as I would exist without them. Then I would let them learn whose is the need and whose the ability. And if human survival is the standard, whose terms would set the way to survive? I have done by plan and intention what had been done throughout history by silent default. There have always been men of intelligence who went on strike in protest and despair, but they did not know the meaning of their action. The man who retires from public life to think, but not to share his thoughts? The man who chooses to spend his years in the obscurity of menial employment? Keeping to himself the fire of his mind, never giving it form, expression, or reality, refusing to bring it into a world he despises. The man who is defeated by revulsion. The man who renounces before he has started. The man who gives up rather than give in. The man who functions at a fraction of his capacity, disarmed by his longing for an ideal he has not found. They are on strike. On strike against unreason. On strike against your world and your values but not knowing any values of their own, they abandon the quest to know. In the darkness of their hopeless indignation, which is righteous without knowledge of the right and passionate without knowledge of desire, 
They concede to you the power of reality and surrender the incentives of their minds. And they perish in bitter futility as rebels who never learn the object of their rebellion. As lovers who never discovered their love. Charge the 13th. We are <clears throat> we're back with another Monday show. We've got a lot of ground to cover in a lot less than an hour. So let's get right down to it. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is July 9th, 2012. Beautiful old town Alexandria is where I can be found, and I live in the United States of America, planet Earth third planet from the sun. How many of you, how many of you have said over time that you live for someone else? Whether it's true or not, whether you really meant it or not, how many of us have said that we live for our children? If that is the case, who do they live for? I spoke, I had dealings with someone whom I hope would become a friend about giving, about the reasons for why we were put here on this earth. Are God's intention for us, got what God intended for us? Now, this person believed, or believes rather, that God intended us to be of service to others, to make other people happy, to bring the fruits of our labor to bear for others, for the sake of others. Now, oddly enough, this person is a dentist. This person lives in a really nice, fancy house. Drives, of course, a Mercedes-Benz. And has a great practice. I asked the individual, how much of your earnings do you devote to helping other people? 10, 15, 20%? The answer was the standard 10%. I said, well, why not more? Why not 35? Why not 50? Well, I have, uh, you know, my own family to look for uh, after I have expenses. You know, I've got this, I've got that. So I said, uh, well, how about this? If you believe sincerely that you were put on this earth in order to make other people happy and it's God it's God's intention for you to be here to help other people. How much of your practice do you devote to pro bono? Let's say a crackhead comes in after years of smoking crack and they have no teeth. I myself personally have known at one at least one person who's in their mid thirties who is absolutely toothless. 
Not one tooth. Or is it teeth? Well, you get the picture. Suppose that person wants to go ahead and get dental implants. They're down on their luck. They don't have any money. Would you provide this service to an individual for nothing in order to give them a a nice, bright smile? Because apparently it's God's intention for you to do that. How much is it going to cost? Well, I happen to know that dental implants, the kind where they drill a little hole in your in your in the bone there and and then they screw in the tooth and they screw it in like screwing in a nail or or a screw. They put that in your teeth. Next thing you know you got a whole set of bright, shiny, brand new choppers. Fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Would you provide this service for people for free? Oh no, I couldn't. I couldn't afford that. I couldn't keep, afford to keep my practice open. Well, maybe you cut back, put the uh, you know put the bends, you know, get rid of the bends, you know, get yourself a you know uh, a hybrid or one of those electric jobs. You know, instead of living in that big fancy house, I happen to know you live in with all that fan, all those fancy goodies. Why not just get yourself a small ranch house? You know, just make enough money that you can support yourself. Oh, and those deadbeat children that live in your house that aren't actually doing anything? Remember when you told me you need to have your grass cut and your lawn, your lawn trimmed and you, you're hiring somebody to do that and they didn't do it right? Why not have one of your lazy-ass children get out there and mow the lawn? How about that? Oh, when well, you ain't got to be young, blah, 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 blah. You see, most people will talk the talk and get on their high horse and talk about giving and how we should all give and how those of us who are more fortunate than others should pay our fair share because we've reaped the rewards for living in this country for all this time. Without this country, we wouldn't be as rich as we are, or as well-off, or as comfortable. You choose. So we should give something back. And frankly, I quite agree. We should. But only if we decide we should. If I decide that I want to give something back, you might even say, You know, Dr. Jones, I know you're living large. I happen to know right now that you're sitting in your home office and you've got one, two, three, four, five, six desktops all in a nice, neat little horseshoe here. And I noticed over in the corner there you've got two Alienware laptops that cost about five grand each. Gaming laptops at that. Their only purpose is for gaming. I understand, Dr. Jones, that you've got two MacBook Pros. And I see over here in the corner that you've got a couple of iPads. Now, you don't need all that stuff. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to come in and I'm going to take some of that stuff. Because you can only, you should only, each household should have only one laptop and one PC. 
That's your limit. So all the rest of that stuff we're going to take and we're going to distribute it and give it to other people who are far more needier than you are, Dr. Jones. Because you know, even though you worked hard, studied, got good grades in school, had a successful career in the military, and then a successful, a successful business career, you paid your dues, you worked hard, hey, you still haven't given your fair share. So all that stuff you've got, the trappings, all the wealth, we're going to take some of that. We're going to take some of that and redistribute it to other people who are less fortunate, who didn't pay their dues, perhaps, who didn't work hard, who, didn't, who, 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 who weren't as fortunate as you, who weren't as lucky as you. Through no fault of their own, through no fault of their it's, – it's the white man's rule. You know, if it weren't for whitey, hey, we could have got a good education. Every single person, the evil white people, those evil capitalists, we're all evil. If it weren't for all those evil white folks and those evil capitalists, Everybody would have a chicken in the pot and a free laptop. And damn, I didn't even mean to rhyme that. How many of you have grown folks living in your house right now? Grown folks. I talked to some friends whose names will be omitted for fear of embarrassing them, who say, oh, I told my son, come on back home. You can't find a job. Come on back home. You can have your own room, your old room back. Stay here until you get yourself back on your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one like that too. My youngest son. My favorite. He was like, Dad, you know what? <laughs> this whole thing with the police force, I want to join the police force, I want to be a police officer. It's not it's taken a long time. So I said so he said, I'd like to, you know, come and, you know, stay over there with you for a while, you know, until you know, these jobs come out. You know, they you gotta do background check, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. I said, uh, hold on, man. Come on now. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to get you in touch with an OSO, an officer selection officer, United States Marine Corps, good friend of mine. I want you to go down, fill out all the paperwork, forms, have, to have everything done, and I want you to become a Marine officer. Even if you're just a Marine officer in the Marine Corps Reserve, that will help you when it comes to applying to police departments. But, Dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. No. Because you come back to my house. You've got all the trappings here. You know, you're, you're, in your, you're, in your, you're in your room. You're playing Xbox 360, Halo, or whatever the hell you're playing. And you're going to get lazy. So this is what you're going to do. It's either that or you're going to live on the streets. Take your pick. 
Well, needless to say, my son is now a second lieutenant on track to become first lieutenant of the United States Marine Corps. I did not give him the option of coming back to my house and lounging on my sofa, eating my food, and stinking up part of my house because he's one of those jocks. He's, you know, he's one of those athletes. And for some reason, a lot of young 20-something-year-old athletes don't feel the need to take a bath on a regular basis. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about my son because I hang out with his friends too. I mean, his friends were come around all the time. For some reason, personal hygiene and athletes don't seem to go together. But, be that as it may, how many of you have your children, your grown children coming back to your house, living large at your expense while they wait for the job market to clear up? We're fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion. The stage where By the way, we're changing the subject now. And the subject is, are Americans going John Gold? We are fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion. The stage where the government is free to do anything it pleases while the citizens may act only by permission, which is the stage of the darkest periods of human history, the stage of rule by brute force. By the way, I meant to quote that at the beginning, but I'll end quote it here. The person who uttered that sentence, or that line phrase, is Ayn Rand. Author and objectivist philosopher Ayn Rand was born in Russia, just before the Bolshevik uh, Revolution, she literally witnessed the slaughter and the dismantling of her country from the window of her father's pharmacy, which was subsequently seized by the Lenin estate. As a young woman, she fled to the United States where she never forgot what she saw in her native country. And she developed a deep distrust of government as she became one of the most and she became one of the most celebrated writers of the mid-20th century. Bob, I come to bury liberalism, not to praise it. And where is that blankety-blank-blank-blank? Rand was... Rand was eerily prescient when she penned the crown jewel of her literary career, the 1,100-page Tume she appropriately titled Atlas Shrugged. The novel was twice as long as it needed to be, filled with long philosophical uh, soliloquies about the evils of socialism. But it was also prophetic concerning America's future today. In the age of Obama, Pelosi, and Reid, its annual sales far outpaced those of 1957, the year it became a New York Times bestseller. So, my question to you, 
is our Americans going gold? Today, the president stated that we should keep the Bush tax cuts for a select number of American citizens, a select group, and that we should do away with the tax cuts for those making over a certain amount, those rich folks, those evil rich people. So basically we'll have a tax hike on anyone making over $250,000 a year. Does that do you does that all sound so familiar? So basically a tax cut for the so-called middle class and a tax a tax hike for the wealthy of us. And I do say us, those who are making a little bit of money. So the government or Obama wants to take money from those of us who are making money and give that money to those who are not. Now, over the course of the weekend, the Democrat sycophants of Obama were saying that we need that 1%. We need those millionaires and billionaires to pay their fair share so we can pay down the deficit because we really need to get this deficit down. Here's the deal. How many of you listening to the sound of my melodious voice are dumb enough to think that raising taxes on the rich, anybody making over $250,000 a year is considered to be rich, and taking that money and paying down the deficit, do you think they're going to ask that Obama – Ultra-uber-liberal Obama, socialist Obama, Marxist Obama, damn near communist Obama is going to take my money and use it to pay down the deficit? No. That ignorant moron is going to take my money and use it and give it to somebody else. The deficit be damned. He could give a shit about the deficit. And, and no one, not one person in his cabinet gives a damn about the deficit. That's That much is clear. But they were all on the talk shows all weekend long. And Obama today saying that the deficit needs to be paid down. We need to charge – we need to have these millionaires and billionaires pay their fair share – Because damn hell forbid that I pay less in taxes than one of my workers who make less than I do. Never mind that I'm employing their asses. Never mind that I'm paying for their health insurance and all that other stuff. Heaven forbid that I make money, work my butt off. To earn a good living so I can live fairly well in my declining years. I'm 50 years old. If I live to be 70, quite frankly, I'll consider that to be a miracle. So basically, I've got 40 years left. And Obama wants to tax me so that I can pay for somebody else to live. 
all this talk about the deficit, and we need those millionaires and billionaires to pay their fair share, basically you and me, because he doesn't really mean millionaires and billionaires. He means anybody making over a certain amount of money, and that cap they've said is at $250,000 a year. So he wants to take that money, and he says, we need to pay down our deficit. If I gave that clown $300,000 and said, hey, I'd write a check out, U.S. government, $300,000, pay down the deficit with this money. You would have to be one ignorant fool to think that Mr. Obama is going to take my check and apply it to the deficit. <laughs> Come on, you got to be kidding me. He's going to take my cash, and he's going to say, okay, you unwed mothers out there who had your babies when you were 13 and dropped out of school and didn't get a good education and is blaming everybody for the reason why you were lazy, a lazy ass. I'm going to give you some of Dr. Jones's money, and maybe you'll use it to better your, your 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 lives. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. That yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it's gonna work, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. But all the time, all the while I'm hearing folks tell me that the rich should pay more. And you know what's what the pro, what I'm you know what's what's scaring me right now? And by the way, the calling number is three four seven eight eight four eighty five hundred. That Obama in a lot of places is still very much leading in the polls. How could that possibly be? This is where we need to be concerned. Because the economy is in the shitter. Black folks are still riding Obama's nuts. They're still kissing his ass. And in the black community, as of Friday, the unemployment rate was 14% officially. Now, if it's officially officially 14% in the black population, it's got to be a hell of a lot higher than that in, in reality land where I live. And yet, we've got clowns like Tom Joyner saying, let's not deal with the facts right now. Wait, no, no, quote, let's not deal with the facts right now. Let's just deal with our blackness and our pride. We've got the chance to reelect the first African-American president in the United States. And I'm not afraid to say that we should do that just because he's black, end quote. I memorized it so I wouldn't forget. Okay, so how are you going to take your blackness and your pride to Walmart? How are you going to take your blackness and your pride to the quick trip? Here, I'm here with my blackness and my pride, and I'm going to – I'd like to get some gas. I need to fill up my tank. Can I – 
can I fill up my tank with this blackness and my pride? Because I have the chance to elect a guy who's black like me, who somehow has, over the last four years, presided over an economy that sees half my whole family unemployed, with no prospects of a job. But he has offered me an EBT card and some food stamps. You know, and $300 a week for the next 99 weeks. But that's not quite enough. (laughs) So would you please take some of my blackness and my pride and give me a loaf of bread, a dozen eggs, a gallon of milk, and some of those cold cuts over there. I'll have a half a pound of that. Because... That's all Mr. Obama's left me with is my blackness and my pride. I'm so proud that I have elected the first black president of the United States. I'm sorry, oops, the first African-American president of the United States. I'm so proud of that. Quite frankly, I don't have a job and half my family's living in a shelter. He did offer us about 350 in food stamps. So, can I please exchange this pride for a three 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 pack of Hanes over there and some shoes? Please. And for you, you white folks out there, Oh yeah. Yeah, you know who you know who you are. Those of you who voted for Obama out of white guilt. Those of you who voted for Obama cuz you fell for that I'm a blank slate, make me into whatever you want me to be and I'll be that. I don't think the skankiest skank in the hood would fall for that line if you walked up to her and say, "Hey baby, I'm a blank slate." I know you've been hurt before, but I'm here to make it all better. You just make me into whatever you want me to be, baby, and I'm going to be that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, But that's what Obama said during the presidential campaign just four years ago. I'm a blank slate. Okay, Obama, could you, like, be um, invisible and go away? Can you, can you do that? So now this blank slate that you white folks have elected, you don't have jobs either. A lot of you are completely and utterly unemployed. What Obama has for you also are food stamps and 99 weeks of unemployment benefits. And roughly, unemployment pays anywhere from three fifty to six hundred a week. I mean, every two weeks. Sorry, that's not quite enough <laughs> for most people, given the fact that we're pretty much greedy and we like our stuff. 
So all of you white folks out there who still hold Mr. Obama in such high favorability, even though he's done very little for you at all, and quite frankly, what should he be doing for you? Nothing. His job should be to protect this country, make sure things are running smooth, stay away from the economy. That's why we have the free market system. And keep his mouth shut. Stay away from Oprah, The Tonight Show, and all that crap. And act like a, well, act presidential. Instead of partying like a rock star with the Sex in the City chick, chicks and hanging out with movie stars. Sit your ass down in your office and keep your mouth shut. Do I not long for, the, for a damn president who stays in the White House and keeps his mouth shut? And just simply does his job. Damn. Come on. How hard can it be? Instead of having a fundraiser every other night. Raking in millions of dollars. For your campaign. Golfing. Flying around on Air Force or Air Force One, eating eating good, eating good. I've been on Air Force One once. I chowed down, lobster, lobster tails, shrimp cocktail, champagne, the finest wine. I had it all, baby. Under Ronald Reagan, of course. They eat good on that damn plane. I wanted to take a doggy bag. Tell you what. All right, we're back. We get some technical issues going on with Skype. It's a good thing the show's almost over because Skype is crapping out and it's messing up my monologue. By the way, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We're going to take a short break, and we're come, we'll come right back. But while we're on the subject of Ayn Rand and if folks are going galt, well, let's take a listen to this. Study economics. A free economy will not break down. All depressions are caused by government interference. That we should strip away regulations, consumer protections, let the market run wild, and prosperity would rain down on all of us. Uh, it hasn't worked out that way. The cure is always uh, offered so far to take more of the poison that caused the disaster. And so now we've got to take some decisive action. This plan's one reason that mortgage interest rates are now at near historic lows. To that end, we've launched a program designed to support the markets for more affordable auto loans, student loans, and small business loans. A program that's already securitized more of this lending in the last week than in the last four months combined. Depressions are not a result of a free economy. Uh, labor leaders get together to initiate legislation to help labor. That is only 
acting on the same principle, namely, all parties agreeing that it is proper for the state to legislate in favor of one economic group or another. Middle class need a rescue package. It means help for homeowners so that they can stay in their homes. It means that we are helping state and local governments uh, set up road projects and bridge projects. You need somebody working for you, and you've got to have somebody in Washington who's thinking about the middle class and not just those who can afford to hire lobbyists. The country is run by majority rule through ballot, and that majority seems to prefer to vote for this modified welfare state. Oh, I don't believe that. You know as well as I do that the majority today has no choice. As President of the United States, Alan, I would order the Secretary of the Treasury to immediately buy up the bad home loan mortgages in America. The second step we took was to launch a plan to stabilize the housing market. Yesterday, Secretary Geithner announced a new plan that will partner government resources with private investment to buy up the assets that are preventing our banks from lending money. What do you mean? The majority has never been offered a choice between control and freedom. Until we stabilize home values in America, we're never going to start turning around and creating jobs. The strategy to create jobs? Fixing our economy. That's why we put in place a comprehensive strategy designed to attack this crisis on all fronts. But we must remember that we can get there if we travel that road as one nation, as one people. Is that not true? No, it isn't. Oh. Uh, this country was made not by rubber barons, but by independent men, by industries who succeeded on sheer ability. And having by ability, I mean without political force, help, or compulsion. And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Going galt. Going galt. You see, here's what I think liberals believe. Liberals believe that we're not going anywhere. That those of us who produce in this country, those of us who love our freedom, we're not going to leave. We're going to pay. We're going to pay those taxes. We're going to pay those heavy taxes and the the burden of um, of regulations and all that. Where else can where else do we have to go? We can't go anywhere. We're stuck. That's bold. I myself personally have looked into going a whole lot of other places. I'm thinking St. Martin, beautiful beaches. The folks love me over there. I can set up shop on the beach, my man. I can set up shop on the beach with a laptop and do my job. Put my money in a bank in St. Martin and live comfortable for the rest of my life. And oh, but won't you miss the United States of America? Oh, I know how to get on an airplane and fly. I can go get myself a, a Chicago deep dish pizza at Eduardo's or Giordano's. Fly right back to St. Martin. Oh, and those, well, won't you miss all the great television shows and, you know, all the TV, you know, all the Americana? Oh, no, no, no. I get a big-ass 12-foot C-band satellite dish. Watch all my favorite shows before most Americans do. 
I can live large someplace else and still be an American and still enjoy Americana without all the taxes, without all the regulations. I can move my business out. I'm gone. I'm out. So far this year, 69 companies have moved all or part of their California work and jobs out of that state and into other states. Or other countries. The report comes from urban relocation consultant John Vernich. It's the fastest rate of departures since Vernich started tracking the exodus in 2009. He says there have been an average of 4.7 moves per week from January 1st through April 12th, compared to 3.9 moves in all of 2010. The numbers are low. Veronich says, estimated that companies that move their jobs, facilities, or headquarters out of California are skyrocketing. Now, he doesn't count companies that invest outside the state of growth or marketing reasons. Among the 69 are some big names. CKE Restaurants, which started in Orange County and now is based in uh, Caprinthia, whoever the wherever the hell that is. Edwards Paints in Vernon, eBay in San Jose, which will add one thousand high-paying jobs in Austin, Texas, after receiving incentives to locate there. CKE is Carl. Uh, uh, Kircher Enterprises, the parent company of Carl's Jr. Why do these and other companies move out of California? Well, there's the top 10 reasons why companies are moving out of California and out of states that have high taxes. Well, let me go ahead and, and break down the numbers for you. Number 10. We'll start with number 10. Why are people why why are people going galt? Why are companies going galt right now? We have a call on the line. I'm gonna take my call right after I run down the top ten. Number ten is new. Energy costs soaring because of new laws and regulations. Commercial electrical rates are already fifty percent higher than the rest of the country in the state of California. Governor Jerry Brown just signed a new law increasing the amount of power utility that, that the amount of power utilities must buy from renewable sources, plus regulations for the California Global Warming Solutions Act. Whatever the hell that is, the other reasons are high and unfair tax treatment. Regulatory burden is number eight. Number seven, unfriendly legal environment for businesses. Number six, most expensive places to do business. Five, uh, uh, proverbial savings elsewhere. Four, public policies and taxes create unfriendly business climates. Three, uncontrollable public spending. Two, 
most adversarial toward business than any other state. Talking about the state of California right now. Number one for the state of California, pool ranking of California on lists ranging from taxes to crime rates to school dropout rates. People are fleeing these states. Let me tell you, I'm going to go look for a new car in just a couple of weeks. Where am I going to go look for my new ride? Not Virginia. Not Chicago. Not Georgia. I'm headed down to Florida. I'm going to get in my car and drive to South Florida to look for my car. Why? No state taxes. No burdening regulations, state regulations. I'm going to get my car almost anywhere from three to $5,000 cheaper than I would in the state of Georgia, the state of Illinois, certainly, and certainly the state of Virginia. Now let's take my call. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hey, Doc Jones. Good show as always, man. Really. Uh, hey, is that you, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> you know my melodious voice, do you? <laughs> <laughs> How are you this evening? I'm doing well, man. Thanks. And yourself? Yeah, life is good, man. Life is good. <laughs> hey, man. The, the uh, phenomenon you've been discussing, uh, it's really hitting home here in Maryland, and we witnessed it taking place um, in other parts of the country. You mentioned California. Also, Illinois, um, New York State's another prime example. And, uh, you know, it's just um, you have all these liberals that vote Democrats into power over time repeatedly. And then when the full force and, and final result of their policies comes home to roost, if you will, the very same liberals that kept voting for, for Democrats time and time again run from the very crap that they themselves created. And they'll move to a place like Colorado or some other conservative area where it's nice and safe and fiscally sound, and then they'll start voting Democrat again and repeat the process all over again. Well, you're exactly right. Now, and it's my understanding that the state of uh, Maryland has uh, just enacted a tax. How much uh, that uh, tax is um, anyone making over, I think it's a million dollars, or is it less? That's a thirty thirty to thirty five percent tax hike. Yeah, um, that's a, that's been going. Um, well, Marxist O'Malware, I mean Martin O'Malley, <laughs> uh-huh. the governor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's um. Be forewarned, anybody who's not from Maryland, this guy wants national uh, office, so uh, he's he's quite the Marxist. Um, well, well, I'm not sure exactly what the millionaire's tax is. I know he's been. Uh, Really trying to get that going, but it's led to a lot of people moving out of state, either to Pennsylvania. Maryland is one state that's right next to a lot of different states like Virginia, District of Columbia, uh, Delaware, um, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, and West Virginia as well. So a lot, of, a lot of these people are leaving the state and just going right over the border, which is literally like, I mean, I'm literally 10 minutes away from Pennsylvania. And any one direction from this kind of location between D.C. and uh, Baltimore, where I'm at, right. you're only – maybe half an hour from any other state, you know what I mean? So 
Exactly. You know, and I misspoke because um, the state of Virginia, I believe, doesn't have a state tax as well. And people, like you said, Maryland is just across the border from, I mean, a a lot of places in Virginia and West Virginia where, uh, you know, the taxes and regulations are a lot less burdensome. I think what's going to happen with the state of Maryland is that they're going to be the next California you know, folks are just going to start leaving that place in droves and just going over to the next state, the next state over, and they can still like commute to work, you know, and exactly. still visit, uh, you know, visit friends and relatives. They just, you know, live in them, you know, just across the border in the next state. I I don't understand the, the logic of doing these things the way that the way that they're doing them. Well, their ideal, uh, uh, um, well, the state of Maryland, for example, has been run by Democrats forever. It's now, right now, like 67% registered Democrats. And it's gotten so ridiculous that, that a bunch of liberals who are, I guess, would be like uh, moderate or whatever, if you want to call them that. I don't really believe in that term too much when it comes to Democrats. But mm-hmm. they are themselves now, a lot of them are the ones who are leaving the state because it's gotten too far to the left. And, and I, I liken them to like a uh, an alcoholic or a junkie or a crackhead or something until yep. they get so low that it really is literally punching them right in the face where they can't deny it anymore, that's when they'll see they have a problem and they, you know, maybe that's when they try to do something to fix it. And, and that's what's going in California. We're seeing it, you know, overspending and, you know, inviting all, you know, the entitlements, all the whole nine yards you described earlier and, and same yep. thing here. And, and, and eventually it all, it's like a downward spiral. They can't get out of it at a certain point. It just, it's going to go down the road to bankruptcy. And then when it hits them, maybe they'll figure it out. But until that point, they'll, you know they won't live in the crap that they have themselves created because above all else they're hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're and and you're exactly right. The hypocrites is is what I what I what I'm going with right now. As, as I said earlier during the you know earlier in the broadcast, um, you know I have a lot of you know quite a few friends who are doing very very well. Uh, who have businesses and whenever they start talking about you know that they're they don't have a problem paying a little more in taxes so that uh, we can pay down the deficit or that somebody could have health care and all that i i take it a step further you know wh- why don't you give half of your stuff away you know why don't yeah. you do more do right. even more you don't need to have that big mercedes benz i know you're rolling out in every morning you don't need to head over to starbucks and get that 7 dollar cup of coffee which i which i enjoyed by the way you don't need to do all that <laughs> You know, just yeah. anyway, but the show is almost over. I want to thank you for tuning in, Bob, and, and certainly for, for calling in. You made the show, man. I appreciate it. But we are we gotta go. We got less than an, uh less than two minutes left, man. Thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a great night. All thank right, you. the show is just about over, but hey, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow along with other things, you know, topics of the day. We got Al Sharpton talking crazy again, and we'd certainly like to talk about that clown. Uh you know, but uh hey, let's get out of here. Uh, I will hope everybody has a great night. I know you had a great weekend, so let's continue on with the rest of the week and have even more fun. Uh tune in tomorrow night. We're gonna have a great show tomorrow night. Um anyway, twenty twenty radio is coming up. Uh, great show, G Ski Rocks 2020, 9 o'clock. Check him out, G Ski, uh, my main man. Oh, and GDT 183 at 11:30 tonight. If you're up that late, tune in. You love these guys; they are fantastic. I'll be there. Have a great night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We are out. We